0: o'clock. You don't need coffee after that intro. Come on, it's been so good. Man, I feel like we've been in a sermon series about the Game of Thrones, because that's truly what it's felt like. We've been going through the life of David, who's a character in the Bible. You might have heard of him before. He's found in the Old Testament, and I'm actually joining in on part three of our four-part series. So Josh has set up the first two weeks really well for me, I might add. I don't know where he went, but he did amazing. And just to catch you up to speed on what has happened the past two weeks, because you, you might not believe me that it's been like the Game of Thrones. Let me tell you. So week one, we talked about David defeating Goliath. And essentially what Josh was saying is there was a bunch of trash talk happening between a teenager with a charcuterie board and a giant war hero. Spoiler alert, teenager with a charcuterie board and a slingshot takes down giant war hero. It's amazing. It was so cool. And last week, if you weren't able to make it, he he went into then 2 Samuel 10 and 11. When we fast-forwarded a little bit in David's life, and oh my goodness, the intensity, the action, the drama, it's all there. Man, there's sex scandals, there's David sending an innocent man to death row, and then we have mercy, lavish mercy from a good God when David genuinely repents. It's so amazing. And that's just the first two weeks. That's just the first two weeks. And you said that the Bible was boring and irrelevant. Today we're picking up on part three of the story. I'm actually going to backtrack a little bit into what happened in David's life immediately after he defeated Goliath. So he's still a teenage David at this point. He's still on the come up. His music career is about to take off. He's not king yet, but he is on his way, and it is clear. It's so good. I'm calling today's sermon for the note-takers in the house, which if you are a note-taker, I love you a little bit extra. My friend Dan once said that note-takers are history makers, so I encourage you to do that, not just today, but every day, um, and every time that we have the opportunity to gather. I'm going to pray before we jump in. Sound good? You with me? Awesome. Some of you are. I'm going to pray that the rest of us in this room, God, will join in together. God, thank you for the time that we've already had, singing praises that you are worthy and deserving of. And God, here's what I ask. I ask that you will take this message that you've placed on my heart through personal devotion and meditation and time spent with you, God, and that you will do only what you can do, Holy Spirit, divide it into, over the course of the day, a couple thousand different ways to fit each and every person in this room uniquely, and may it speak to the situation that they're in right now, because although I might not know what these people are going through, you sure do, Lord. I pray that, Lord, even if it doesn't apply today, which it will, that we can carry it into all of our tomorrows because you are faithful. We also take a moment to praise you, God, that your team, the Boston Red Sox, have scored 38 runs in the past three days, and that they are defeating the enemy Lord, we pray right now that you are sending a broom up to Boston and that the work that you have begun will be seen through completion tonight at 7 o'clock. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm getting some booze. I'm getting some thumbs down, but a lot more cheers. Amen. Glad to see that you're with me. I had to do something to wake you up. Don't worry, I'm here to preach the word. Here we go. 1 Samuel 18. I'm going to be reading. From here, if you have your Bible, if you still carry a Bible, extra props to you. If you have the Bible now now's your time. If not, don't worry. We have something for you. And I will also have the verses on the air Bible behind me. Megatron. Thank you. Big screen. Here we go. Verse 6 says this. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine. Remember, that's Goliath. The women came out. From all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang this, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. All right, David getting some praise. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. He said, they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Verse 10, here we go. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcibly on Saul. This is like awkward. This is one of those things where you're like, what, did I read that right? Like, (laughs) let's just pause for a moment. Saul had hardened his heart. Saul is getting exactly what he wanted and what he asked for. He had hardened his heart towards the Lord, and he turned his eyes from God and placed them on himself. Pride had built in his heart. God has just given him what he wants, because God gives you what you want. Then it says he was prophesying in his house. Let's pause again for a moment. This is not like holy, good, encouragement prophecy like we see happen today. Some other translations... I believe do it a little bit more justice of Saul is mumbling like a madman. He's talking to himself. He's gone insane in the membrane. He's he's like a little bit <laughs> like he's legit a crazy guy right now, okay? So Saul is mumbling like the Grinch while David was playing the liar as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall." But David eluded him. Twice, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. How many witnesses do I have in the house today that can say, the Lord is with me and he brings my success? Come on. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. Interesting. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Here we go. Part three, the war with Saul and Saul. You've come on the right Sunday. I'm glad you're here. Another action-packed story. (laughs) Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. This interesting story we just read, I want to take the next few moments I have with you to dissect this and learn leadership principles for you and me to apply to our lives today and forever, okay? So this is like global leadership summit before the summit. This is like the warm-up, the pregame to it. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, I don't know what you're doing. You, you need to be there. You're welcome, Andre, so you can pay me later. Here we go. First thing I see from the text that we read today, Saul feared David, while David feared God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make these points really practical so that if you are taking notes, you can just write this down. It will be easy. So here's what this means for you. While Saul feared David and David feared God, here's the principle we can take from it. I want to abide in Jesus, not be afraid of my competition. Here we go. Let's say it again. I'm abiding in Jesus, not afraid of my competition. That's the first thing that we can take from the text. So check it out. 1 Samuel 18 10 through 12. Since David was playing the lyre as he usually did, Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. What do we do? We've caught Saul. We've caught Saul in this story. We've caught him in the comparison trap is what's going on right here. Saul's completely stuck in his mind. Again, we read it, right? We read it. The women were singing a little ditty to David. Saying, yeah, yeah, Saul has killed his thousands. Impressive. But David is tens of thousands. So Saul starts getting it in his head and he's like, what? what they say about who some teenage like who like little boy from the farm like he, and he starts talking to himself like a madman right he, he's in there <laughs> this teenager doesn't even have his license for the royal chariot yet they're crediting him more than me you kidding me see this is what insecure leaders do this is what insecure leaders do they're unable to celebrate the success of others. They see them as competition. And especially the success of those that are coming behind you. Oh, man. But this doesn't happen today, right? Let's be secure in our leadership. You know what Saul would have done if he was a secure leader? Man, he would take advantage of this opportunity. He clearly sees that this is God's anointed on the come up. Let's go. So I'm going to put my arm around him and mentor him. I'm going to show him the ways of the kingdom. I'm going to show him what it looks like to build people, to mentor him, to to learn from my successes, right? To build this protégé instead he sees David as competition. <laughs> and he gets crazier, right? Saul gets a little bit crazier. So what he's done is he's asked David to come to the palace, to come to his place, to distract him with worship. He's asked David, Man, I, I need something, like Saul is going so crazy in the head that he's like, I need you to come and play some music, some worship music for me, to try to calm me down. He, he's trying to distract himself, but we don't do that today. We don't distract ourselves with, with what's really going on here on Our phones are on Facebook. We don't still do that, right? Saul is stuck in his mind trying to use worship as a distraction. And while he is distracted and disillusioned in his comparison trap, he gets the most awful idea, like Saul, your bonehead. He gets this idea. Let me kill God's anointed who fears nothing, clearly, no one, Goliath to prove it, but the Lord. Saul gets this idea, right? <laughs> oh man, so, so here's where things get even a little bit more interesting, right? Notice what the Holy Spirit intentionally put in the scripture right next to each other. It says that David was playing the lyre, right? The lyre, if you don't know what that is, it's a stringed instrument. So David has a stringed instrument in his hand over here, praising God, and Saul is over here on his throne with the spear in his hand. Stringed instrument, spear. Question, who's the most powerful man in the room? You remember what happened week one that Josh mentioned, what David said before he took out Goliath? 20 verses earlier, he says this in 1 Samuel 17, 47. David says this, he says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Man, this is coming from a place of David abiding in his Lord, not afraid of his competition. He wasn't afraid of Goliath. Then he's not afraid of Saul now cuz he's with his God. You see David's worship wasn't an emotional response. You think that we're over here raising our hands, you think that I'm getting something out of this like some emotional buzz? No, not at all. I'm doing this because God has saved me, because he is good. I'm like David here. You see, David wasn't having some emotional response. He was declaring war through his worship. It was a cry of preemptive victory. That's what's going on here. That's what worship does. So Saul, remember, same song, same setting, It's crazy how this could happen. You have a guy that is worshiping God over here playing the songs. A guy over here who is hearing the same songs. Two completely different stories. So Saul, he hurls a spear and misses apparently twice. We pause again for a second. Like, Saul, what the heck are you doing? Are you stupid? If you're about to kill David, you better not miss because you're not coming out of that battle alive if you miss. Like, ask Goliath about David's aim. Ask the bears and the lions that David fought in the field about David's aim, right? Like, come on. And he missed. But what is so interesting and so remarkable here, David doesn't throw the spear back. He doesn't throw it back. Why? He was a worship warrior he was a worship warrior. He trusted God over his own strength. No weapon formed against me shall prosper is what he's singing over here. Man, and what we were singing just a little bit earlier, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, God. This is how I fight and win my battles, through worship, through worship. And that's what's happening in the story. Why? I'm abiding in Jesus, not afraid of my competition. You see, Saul used worship as a distraction. David is over here writing a dissertation on God's faithfulness through his songs. That's a question for you. Is worship a distraction? Or for you, is it building your faith? Is it professing the faith that you have? What are some ways that God is trying to grow you in patience and perspective like he was doing with David here. I got a couple examples. Maybe you're at work. The opportunity has come where you can completely like stab your boss in the back like everybody else in the world does, right? Man, I want to rise. I want to rise through the ranks. My boss just said something stupid. Or man, he made me look really bad. I'm going to throw the spear right back at him. Man, maybe God is trying to grow you in your patience and say, let your work and your worship do the talking. Let your hard work ethic and your faith in Jesus let you rise. Maybe you are a boss. Maybe you do have some influence over people. And this is a warning to you and me. This is a warning. To have good ethics in leadership. Because if your leadership is costing you your soul or other people's lives, you should check yourself. That's not what Saul did here. See, another thing about Saul was that he was dedicated to fame while David was dedicated to faithfulness. That's what we see in the story. So here we go. Here's a point for you. I want to grow in my faithfulness over fame. We'll make it even shorter. Faithfulness over fame. Faithfulness over fame. Fame could be a byproduct of God growing you, but it is not the primary product of God growing you. The Holy Spirit says that the fruit of the Spirit is fame. No, it's not. It's One of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's how you know the Holy Spirit is working in you. First Samuel 18, 8 and 10 makes this clear. It says Saul is very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. He's saying, my fame is on the line here. My reputation is on the line here. Somebody's about to outshine me. And it says that while Saul is saying this and thinking these things, David was playing the liar as he usually did. As he usually did. See, David regularly worshiped God. He didn't wait for the royal palace opportunity to show off his stuff. He got into that position And when it came time for him to get there, he played as he usually did. Faithfulness over fame. You know what? I want God to build my character before he builds my platform. I want God to build my character before he builds my platform. You know what we could take from the story here as well? Remember Saul became king because Israel looked at his height. David became king because God looked at his heart. And that's why, all right, I got one witness in the building. <laughs> Sheesh. Well, this is why David's leadership was sustainable. He had faithfully built his life upon God. So God was not only able to promote David, but keep David. That's not what happened with Saul. I want God to build my character before he builds my platform. Faithfulness over fame. So here's our challenge. Stop thinking, God, when I get there, fill in the blank. God, when I have another zero added to my salary, I'll start giving. God, when I have more time, I'll start praying. God, when you give me a little more time in the morning, like will you just help my kids sleep in half an hour longer? And I'll get into the word with you. Right, we we can go on and on and on. God, when I get that promotion, I'll start praising you. Can I tell you the truth? Is that okay? Can I be honest with you? We good? Front, we good? If you are not... Faithful right now with where you are. I promise you this. You will not be faithful when there is more pressure, when there are more things calling for your time and attention, when there is more weight to the platform you've been given. Because here's what happens. When you get promoted, your heart is revealed more. That's what's happening in the story here too. Saul's heart is on display, but so is David's. So here's the question for this point. What is something that you can start doing today that will help build your platform for tomorrow? And don't wait. And don't you dare say, I'm too old or too young for God to make me a leader. Wake up call. Moses was in his 80s when he received his biggest assignment from God. Abraham was 100 when he received his biggest assignment from God. Young people in the room, Jesus called a bunch of teenagers as his disciples. So don't you dare say, I'm too old or too young. As long as you have breath in your lungs, God is going to build you because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. Don't you dare use that as an excuse. And by the way, like, what is the right age anyway? Too old or too young. Like, we're, we, we, all of us feel too old or too young. Like, what was the sweet spot? Were we in it for half a second? Like, I'm still trying to figure that out. Some people tell me I'm too old, which I'm like, really? I'm 26. Other people say, you're far too young. And I'm like, no, 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 no. God's using me, and he can, and he will. And as long as I stay faithful with him, he will continue to build me because I am committed to faithfulness over fame. Okay, here we go. Keep moving, right? Saul, I'm not used to having like such a time crunch, so thanks for sticking with me. Saul was committed. Saul was committed to position while David was committed to people. I want to be more committed to people than position. Here's another easy one. People over position. People over power is maybe another way to translate that. People over position. Check it out. Verses 15 and 16, it says, when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him, why his position was on the line. But all Israel and Judah loved David. Why? Because he led them in their campaigns. Think of how many dormant Christians we have that are waiting for a title or a promotion to start leading well. And what I see in this story and throughout this entire story right here is that don't wait for the title to start leading. Great leaders steward the influence they've been given well. I believe that somebody famous once said in the New Testament, oh yeah, son of God. He said, um, for those that are faithful little, much will be given. Thank you, Devin. Don't wait for the title to start leading well. You can lead right now where you are, in your household, in your workplace, on your sports team, in the classroom, at the gas station, wherever the heck you go. God has called you to lead well and to be with the people. Ben, you guys can come back up. Don't know where you are. I love you. I'm excited to worship with you a bit more. Those are my friends. (laughs) Oh, man. Because here's the reality. I want to be more committed to the people God has placed in my life and the position God places me in. Here's another truth. Ready for another truth bomb? A title will get people's attention, but your presence with people will get their respect. That's what's happening here. I think for us, people over position, People overpower. We're called to as Christians, remember what Galatians six two says, carry each other's burdens, help lead people and be present with people in their battles. Here's a question. Do the people that are in close proximity to, the, to you know that you are with them? Do the people that God has placed in cro- close proximity to you could be your direct neighbors, that's the first people we're called to after our family. Could be the families on the same sports team as your kids. Could be <laughs> the cubicle right next to you. Right? I feel like so many of us sometimes it's fine. We, we We want to go overseas to declare the goodness of God when most of the time For people like you and me, God's like, I'm not calling you across the seas. I'm calling you across the aisle, across the hall, across the street to start declaring the goodness of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with going overseas. We actually have an amazing team in Nigeria right now that are declaring the goodness of God. Here's what I want us to imagine. We're we're about to have a little over 2,000 people here across our four services today. It's amazing. It's like a, a mini Billy Graham crusade every single Sunday here. It's so cool. I love it. Can you imagine with me if 2,000 or more people left out these doors today and every day and said, man, Jesus, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to trust your timing and your justice. I'm not going to be afraid of the competition because, God, I'm in awe of you. Can you imagine what 2,000 or more people leaving out of here, what the region will look like if we were committed to growing in our faithfulness? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine 2,000 plus people that are committed to each other and to their neighbors? Please stand with me. We're gonna pray and we're gonna worship God a little bit more. You know what's really neat about These three points in this story sound a little bit like what Josh was saying last week. Love God. Love people. Serve our world. Go figure. It was true then, it's still true now. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also know that you can give to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have these videos online and for us to impact our community.